Chapter Twenty Eight of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Twenty Eight. In which Mister Irons recounts some old recollections about the pied horse and a flower de luce it was so well known in chapel is it that stirk was poking after lord castle mallard's agency that nutter felt the scene going on before his eyes between him and dangerfield like a public affront his ire was that of a phlegmatic man dangerous when stirred and there was no mistaking in his rigid swarthy countenance the state of his temper Dangerfield took an opportunity and touched Nutter on the shoulder and told him frankly, in effect, though he wished things to go on as before, Stirk had wormed himself into a sort of confidence with Lord Castle Mallard. Not confidence, sir. Talk, if you please, said Nutter grimly. Well, into talk, acquiesced Dangerfield. And by Jove, I've had a hard card to play, you see his lordship will have me listen to dr stirk's talk such as it is he has no talk in him sir you mayn't get from any other impudent dunderhead in the town answered nutter my dear sir understand me i'm your friend and he placed his hand amicably upon nutter's arm but lord castle mallard has now and then a will of his own i need not tell you and somebody's been doing you an ill turn with his lordship and you're a gentleman mr nutter and i like you and i'll be frank with you knowing twill go no further stirk wants the agency you have my good will i don't see why he should take it from you but-but you see his lordship takes odd likings and he won't always listen to reason nutter was so shocked and exasperated that for a moment he felt stunned and put his hand toward his head i think sir said nutter with a stern deliberate oath i'll write to lord castle mallard this evening and throw up his agency and challenge stirk and fight him in the morning you must not resign the agency sir his lordship is whimsical but you have a friend in court i've spoken in full confidence in your secrecy and should any words pass between you and dr stirk you'll not mention my name i rely sir on your honour as you may on my good will and dangerfield shook hands with nutter significantly and called to irons who was waiting to accompany him and the two anglers walked away together up the river nutter was still possessed with his furious resolution to fling down his office at lord castle mallard's feet and to call stirk into the lists of mortal combat one turn by himself as far as the turnpike however and he gave up the first and retained only the second resolve half an hour more and he had settled in his mind that there was no need to punish the meddler that way and so he resolved to bide his time a short one in the meanwhile dangerfield had reached one of those sweet pastures by the river's bank which as we have read delight the simple mind of the angler 
and his float was already out and bobbing up and down on the ripples of the stream and the verdant valley in which he and his taciturn companion stood side by side resounded from time to time with dangerfield's strange harsh laughter the cause of which irons did not of course presume to ask there is a churchyard cough i don't see why there may not be a churchyard laugh in dangerfield's certainly there was an omen a glee that had nothing to do with mirth and more dismaying perhaps than his sternest rebuke if a man is not a laugher by nature he had better let it alone the bipeds that love mousing and carrion have a chant of their own and nobody quarrels with it we respect an owl or a raven though we mayn't love him while he sticks to his croak or to who tis unpleasant but quite natural and unaffected and we acquiesce all we ask of these gentlemanlike birds is that they mistake not their talent affect not music or if they do that they treat not us to their queer warblings irons with that never-failing phantom of a smile on his thin lips stood a little apart with a gaff and landing-net and a second rod and a little bag of worms and his other gear silent except when spoken to or sometimes to suggest a change of bait or fly or a cast over a particular spot for dangerfield was of good colonel venable's mind that tis well in the lover of the gentle craft to associate himself with some honest expert angler who will freely and candidly communicate his skill unto him dangerfield was looking straight at his float but thinking of something else whenever stirk met him at dinner or the club the doctor's arrogance and loud lungs failed him and he fell for a while into a sort of gloom and dreaming and when he came slowly to himself he could not talk to anyone but the man with the spectacles and in the midst of his talk he would grow wandering and thoughtful as if over some half-remembered dream and when he took his leave of dangerfield it was with a lingering look and a stern withdrawal as if he had still a last word to say and he went away in a dismal reverie it was natural that in his views about the agency stirk should regard him with particular interest but there was something more here and it did not escape dangerfield as indeed very little that in any wise concerned him ever did clever fellow dr stirk said the silver spectacles looking grimly at the float i like him you remember him you say irons i sir said blue chin i never forget a face par nobile sneered the angler quietly in the year forty-five hey go on i sir he slept in the pied house at newmarket was in all the fun next day he broke his arm badly and slept there in the closet of mr beauclerk's room that night under laudanum and remained ten days longer in the house mr beauclerk's chamber was the flower de luce barnabas stirk esq when i saw him here half the length of the street away i knew him and his name on the instant i never forget things 
but he don't remember you no smiled blue chin looking at the float also two and twenty years how came it he was not summoned he was under laudanum and could tell nothing i said the spectacles i and he let out some more line that's deep yes sir a soldier was drowned in that hole and dr toole and mr nutter don't love him both brisk fellows and have fought Luchin smiled on very clever dog needs to be sharp though or he'll come to ha and a great trout came splashing and flickering along the top of the water upon the hook and irons placed the net in dangerfield's outstretched hand and the troutling was landed to the distant music of god save the king borne faintly on the air by which the reader perceives that the band was now about to put up their instruments and the gay folk to disperse and at the same moment lord castle mallard was doing old general chatsworth the honour to lean upon his arm as they walked to and fro upon the parade-ground by the river's bank and the general looked particularly grand and thoughtful and my lord was more than usually gracious and impressive and was saying tis a good match every way he has good blood in his veins sir the danger feels of redminster and you may suppose he's rich when he was ready to advance sir sedley hicks thirty-five thousand pounds on mortgage and to my certain knowledge has nearly as much more out on good securities and he's the most principal man i think i ever met with and the cleverest dog i believe in these kingdoms and i wish you joy general chatsworth and he gave the general snuff out of his box and shook hands and said something very good as he got into his carriage for he laughed a good deal and touched the general's ribs with the point of his gloved finger and the general laughed too moderately and was instantaneously grave again when the carriage whirled away End of chapter twenty eight recording by john brandon